Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Really, Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Oh, Shoshokogi, may the force be with you. Oh, my goodness, Carl Anthony Towns. He is not human. He is catastrophic. Hello and welcome to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. And the show is a part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network. Today's episode was actually recorded on the Locker Room app. Now, the Locker Room app is an app that you can come and join on live conversations about sports. I might be doing these more often coming up, so be on the lookout for those. But that's what this conversation was. And today's conversation was a preview of the Suns, Timberwolves, back-to-back for Thursday and Friday night. And I had Brandon from Arizona Sports Zone join me. He can be found on Twitter at AZ Sports Zone. And we had a great conversation, so let's get into it. This is a Locker Room production. All right, so thanks for doing this. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about is just I want to, before we even preview these two games coming up, obviously they play tomorrow and Friday. I want to look back like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. The situation that the Wolves and the Suns were in, they were both like bottom of the league teams that just like didn't look like they had much going for them. When you think back to that time, did you envision the Suns or Wolves making it out of that first? Yeah, so it definitely seemed like the Wolves were closer in Phoenix at that point, for sure. Um, the Suns are really kind of in the dirt for a while until James Jones really turned the culture around. So um, I would say based off where the teams were in that moment, it definitely seemed like the Wolves had a little bit, a little bit of a head start, I would say on the Suns, Um, but it's NBA and things can change fast. So obviously Jones kind of expedited their, their, their rebuild, I guess, if you can even call it that after a decade of missing the playoffs, um, but yeah, Chris Paul also kind of helps too. He's he's good at basketball, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah, he one hundred percent is good at basketball, and that that's I guess that's what I was getting at was like it really seemed like then the Timberwolves still had the the better chance of you know getting out of it. Um, but the Suns made the moves they had to do. They drafted well, you know. Um, at the time, I didn't think Cam Johnson was a great draft pick where he was taken, but I think he's turned out to be a really solid player. Mikhail Bridges is a stud. Um, obviously they made the trade to bring Chris Paul, who, you know, people thought was done when he went to OKC and he, he brought them to a way better record than, than people thought. And now he's, you know, helping the Suns be what, do they have the second best record in the entire league right now? I believe so. If not second, they're like a half game behind Philly. Um, let me double check that. Yeah, they're, they're third right now. Philly actually. It's one six in a row, so they they t- overtook them recently. Okay, yeah. So like you're talking a top three record in the league, and maybe maybe there's some arguments where they're not the third best team, um, but I think they are. You know, one of the five best teams in the league right now. And I mm-hmm. guess when you look back this off season with the the Chris Paul trade, what was your like initial reaction with that? Were you happy? Were you a little? you know, worried about the contract situation or what was your initial thoughts on that? Yeah. So I I remember initially when sons were first connected to him, um, I kind of predicted that in a way because he he has ties to James Jones um, through the the NBPA and also uh, Jeff Bauer and Monty Williams back in when he was in uh, New Orleans, obviously. So um, the connections were were all over the place, and just the, the contracts matched up. And I was all about it. I, I'm just I'm sick of this team like not making it to the playoffs at this point. So I'm thinking, you know, yes, there's risk with a contract that that large, and uh, him making like 
that much money at that age is is definitely scary on the surface. But uh, this team needs to learn how to win games, and and you've already seen the, you know, it's already paid off quite a bit. Um, I would say. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I kind of agree with that. And I think where you can kind of get away with it a little bit is when DeAndre Ayton is still, you know, on a rookie contract mm-hmm, where, exactly. you know, one of your better and Mikhail Bridges is on a rookie contract. Um, so you have like very valuable contributors that are not, you know, on max deals. When you look at like the Mavericks, Luka Doncic is still on a rookie deal. Obviously, they still aren't a top tier team in the league, but they have money to do things. They have, yeah. you know, higher played players that aren't Luka Doncic. Um, I do want to say I wasn't probably in the minority of Suns fans back when that first uh, happened, because I remember um, a lot of Suns fans didn't want to trade Ubre and they're attached to Rubio too. So there's a lot of, a lot of that going on. And along with like Paul's contract, they're terrified. But the closer we got towards that trade actually happening, I think a lot of some fans started to talk themselves into it. And now, obviously, I think every fan would 110% do that trade, uh, you know, 10 times out of 10. So it's definitely worked out so Yeah, far. for sure. And, and Chris Paul was always a guy that, you know, for the past couple of years, it was like that he's going to get moved. And, you know, there was talk around Timberwolves fandom. I don't know if the front office really ever had any, you know, interest in going out to and getting him, but fans just did not want it because that 40, whatever million dollars, like just scares the crap out of people from wanting to go out and like bring in a player that makes that much money. And for the wolves, it was, it was difficult because you had to make the money work somehow and trying to send out Wiggins or whoever it would be um, might be tough. But I look back on this, like if the wolves had a chance to do it and they didn't do it, I wish they would have just because Chris Paul legitimately raises the, the floor of every single player he plays with. Um, we've seen it with Devin Booker. I think DeAndre Ayton's looked up and down at times this year, but I think he's been really solid this year. Mikhail Bridges is definitely, you know, being helped by Chris Paul being on the floor. Um, but you mentioned Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre. Were you a fan of Rubio while he was in Arizona or in uh, Phoenix? Were you a fan of, of his play there last season? Yeah, I thought he was, uh, he was a big reason they made that, I think, that leap that they did. It was like a gradual leap, I would say, last year where, um, you know, some suspensions and injuries kind of uh, slowed them down there after the hot start. But then in the bubble, you saw, you know, it looked like they were starting to form a competent team. And that's kind of what led to Chris Paul. So I think Rubio is a great stepping stone for for this young team. And, and um, you know, it hasn't worked out as well in Minnesota this year. It's it's been a rough year for you guys in general, just with everything going on with Cat and, uh, you know, Beasley suspension. Just, you know, it's, it's just been a, a tough uh, situation, I think, for him. But, um, you know, I, I did like Rubio and I still do. wish him nothing but the best. He's a super classy guy. And, um, you know, I think, you know, now that Towns is back and, you know, Edwards is starting to turn a corner, I think Minnesota could be one of those teams that they could finish the year strong and, kind of serve as like one of those teams that just upsets uh, contenders that aren't taking them seriously. So that's why these games kind of, you know, I don't think any Suns fans should be taking these games lightly, especially with Towns back. Yeah. And, and for sure. Cause I, it is interesting to think about um, the Suns going, you know, undefeated in the bubble. Obviously they didn't really get a chance to, to go to the playoffs and do anything. Um, but that going to know that, like you said, kind of sets up the, the Chris Paul thing was like, we just went in with the good teams in basketball, the teams that actually have a chance to make the playoffs. So they weren't playing any, you know, Timberwolves or Golden State Warriors with no staff. They were playing like quality competition and they beat every single one of them. Um, and that's kind of what there's been talk around Timberwolves, Twitter and whatever about the Wolves finishing this year strong and and hoping that we can have that, you know, where we can go into an off season and you're like, okay, in the last 20 games, you won 12 you can build off that. This is yeah. now where you can buy, you can bring someone in and hope that that, that pushes you into the playoffs rather than selling um, and trying to restart your rebuild. Unfortunately, the Wolves literally have had like four games where they've been fully healthy. Four games. It was the first two games where they beat the Pistons and beat the, the Utah Jazz of all teams. And then they had two more games where they lost to the Spurs 
um, in a close game. And then they lost to the Grizzlies where they blew a fourth quarter lead. Um, and those two games, Cat had like legitimately like a cast on his left wrist because it was damn near like broken. Um, but going back to Rubio, yeah, Rubio at the beginning of the year or when the trade originally happened, Rubio was technically on the Thunder and the Timberwolves traded um, to get him. Wolves fans were excited because Rubio's always been a fan favorite for a lot of people in Minnesota. Um, you know, didn't live up to maybe expectations as a player, but just as a person. And people just liked Ricky Rubio. Um, so before the year started, everybody was excited. You're thinking, okay, now you have one of the best backup point guards in the league because DeAndre Russell is going to be your starter. And Rubio did not play well whatsoever for most of the year, up until about the mm-hmm. last month. Um, and I was just looking into Rubio a little bit earlier today. And over the last month, so since February 17th, Rubio, um, he's played 28 minutes a game. Obviously, he's starting because D'Angelo Russell had surgery on his knee. So in 28 minutes, he's averaging 12.3 points. Uh, he's shooting 46.5% from the field, 39.5% from three on uh, three and a half attempts per game, 85% from the line, seven and a half assists, and only 1.8 turnovers. Um which is just like real, like really good stats for him, you know, because yeah. last year in Phoenix, he averaged 13 points um, in 31 minutes. He was averaging almost nine assists and 2.7 turnovers. So per 36 numbers on his last month that are really similar to what he did in Phoenix last year, um, yeah. which has been best... valuable for the Wolves. Yeah. I was going to say, he just had, he had the best shooting uh, career career. Uh year of his career there too, like 36% from three, which was kind of a, a pleasant surprise because I, I mean, he's kind of been more in that 30 to 32 range from three right. for a while. So yeah. that, that leap was one thing that I think that kind of helped, uh, especially in the bubble. I think, you know, he shot at lights out. So, uh, yeah, overall really great dude. Like you said, it's impossible to not like Ricky Rubio. I mean, as a person, he, he's great and I'm glad he's starting to, uh, to put it together this season. Yeah, for sure. Did you see a lot of him like mentoring Devin Booker last year? Like, did they have a good relationship? How does, how does that, um, what was that like? Because we heard, we've heard about a lot about Rubio's helping the development of Donovan Mitchell in Utah when he was there for a couple of seasons. Did he help Devin Booker at all? Do you think, or do you think Booker just grew into himself um, just as a player in general? Oh yeah. He absolutely helped him. I mean, the, the players, I mean, everyone that's reacted from like his, his departures had nothing but great things to say. And when Booker was, uh, you know, left off the All Star game, uh, initially Rubio was like one of the first ones to tweet out. So I mean, they're they're both like very close. And I think he was just like serving as like a coach on the court. And just it's it's unfortunate uh, he was a, a casualty of you know taking that next leap. But um, you know that's. It's a price to pay whenever you want to get someone like Chris Paul. And I think he was just a great stepping stone for this, the organization. For sure. Yeah. And, and that's what we're seeing now is Anthony Edwards, obviously is someone that the Timberwolves really need to pan out. And Ruby has kind of been that leader, that mentor for him because Ant's been saying he's the best leader that he's ever seen is in his entire life, any sport, any age, anything like that. Like Rubio is the best leader he's ever seen. Um, which is tough because if the Wolves want to go make a move for someone like uh, an Aaron Gordon who makes $18 million a year, Rubio $17 million would be like the theoretical like money maker to, you know, matching salary to go ahead and get Aaron Gordon. But then you have to second guess, like, what does that do to Ant? He just loses his vet for this season. And like, what, what does that do? You know, does that hurt his development or that is not really going to matter. And that's something that I'm kind of worried about. So when you're thinking of doing trades, you might think, well, let Rubio at least make it through this season and then maybe trade him in the off season as an expiring. Um, but we'll see. He's playing better now. So maybe you just want to keep Rubio. Um, but like you said earlier, the Wolves are just so weird because they've had such bad. I don't want to say luck because the Beasley thing wasn't necessarily luck because you, you, you knew what you were getting yourself into you knew he had charges before you signed him. You knew he was probably going to be suspended. Um, maybe you didn't know it was 12 games, but you knew he was going to miss some games due to his suspension. 
but the cat luck is bad. The D low luck is bad. Um, yeah, it's just been tough. Uh, but, but they've been playing a little bit better since, since Chris Finch took over, uh, which is encouraging. Um, that's enough on Rubio. I want to go into what you expect for these, these two games, uh, against the Timberwolves. That would be tomorrow and Friday, both in Phoenix. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. The Suns have not played well against teams with losing records this year in general. So it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of intensity they come out with. Um, they're they're just whenever they're playing <clears throat> contenders, they're always like stepping up to the competition. And so playing a Wolves team with you know Rubio heating up a little bit, you know Carl Anthony Towns back in the mix, and he's looking like his old self. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting. So I, I think, you know, they're playing great basketball right now, but if, if you, uh, don't put your foot on the gas pedal, then you could end up dropping a game that, you know, as, as a playoff contender that you need to win, they need both these games. Um, and you know, I'm, it'll be interesting to see who guards, uh, Anthony Edwards too. It'll probably be Mikel Bridges is my guess. Um, so that, that'll be something to monitor as well. Yeah, yeah, it will. Be, I I was kind of interested by that because this is basically the same Wolves roster that that played the Suns. What was it? Um, just February twenty eighth, so less than a month ago. Um, and Chris Finch had already taken over for the team, but he didn't have much time yet to really. That was just his fourth game. He didn't have any time to instill a system or anything like that. But um, the Wolves lost by nineteen that game, one eighteen to ninety nine. And Devin Booker dropped 43 points on on the Wolves' heads. And then Cat only had 21. Edwards had 24, but it took him 22 shots to get there. Lately, the last five or so games, I think Edwards is averaging, you know, almost 27 points a game or something like that on a lot better efficiency than he had um, for, the, for most of the year. So we'll be interested to see if Mikhail Bridges takes him or if or who else they try to throw on him to kind of stop him. How does Mikhail typically handle players that are um, a lot bigger, you know, physically imposing? Because I know Mikhail uses his length to his advantage a lot. Um, I think he's one of the best wing defenders in the league, but how does he do against somebody that has a little bit more, you know, size to him and uses that size when driving the basket? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I think, you know, his length, just his arms never end. So it's just like a lot of times the guys he's guarding are a lot stronger than him in general. Um, especially like bigger wings when he's on like Luca or, you know, cry or someone like that. that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, he uses his length to combat that. So even if you knock him off his spot, he'll still swipe the ball and, you know, players will just kind of look at him like, what planet are you from? So, um, that's, he's, he's done a great job of doing that. His issue is more of like guarding bigger, like forwards. Like he can't really guard power, like traditional power forwards, I would say. Um, but like one through three and like bigger wings, like he's, he's done a great job of just using his length and his IQ to really bother them, um, makes people uncomfortable throughout the game. So I think it'll be a good test because, uh, Edwards is very strong and explosive. So just seeing that kind of chess match, um, It'll be a great test for for a rookie to go up against Mikel as well. Just um, you know, it, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I've I've had a lot of fun watching Edwards, especially um, as of late. Seems like he's really turning it up a notch. So that's a matchup that I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see that one too. And the best part I think about Mikael Bridges' defense is he doesn't foul. Like he averages like a foul and a half per game, and he plays like 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like Edwards' big thing is you know trying to draw fouls he he just doesn't get um a lot of respect from uh the the officials you know getting to the line he doesn't shoot that many free throws per game I think he only shoots like I don't know four maybe like he, it's not a lot for somebody that you know is that physically imposing um but he's a rookie and rookies you know generally speaking just don't get calls in this league um no he's shooting 2.7 free throws per game 2.7 free throw attempts per game which is just like I think really low for a guy that gets to the gets to the paint as much as he does. Um, and he takes a lot of contact, but Mikhail's not somebody that gives, gives a lot of contact in situations like that. So I think it is interesting to see, it will be interesting to see how those two match up 
what do you expect the the starting lineup for Phoenix to look like tomorrow night? Oh man, this that's a tough question because this Monty's been switching it up a lot this year. Right, um, right, and that's what I that's what I thought. So that's why I wanted to kind of get what you're because it's hard to watch. Um, you know, different games around the league when your team plays, you know, every other night and then some. Uh, so it's tough to get a read on other teams. So that's why I wanted to just see where Monty's head has been at lately. Yeah. So last game, he actually started Jay Crowder for the first time in a while. Um, that's what they started the season with. But I'm guessing Minnesota will probably – are they still sticking with the uh, Layman, Vanderbilt, Towns, Edwards, Rubio? Is that what they're – Yeah. Uh, I think that, they had last that, game. That's been the starting lineup since Cat got healthy, um, essentially, mm-hmm. besides Beasley. Um, was in there for Layman, but yeah that, yeah, that should be the lineup. I would be surprised if anything, uh, McDaniels would move to the four, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. So, so in that case, uh, I, I think they'll probably stick with Jay um, instead of Kaminsky because like they'll use Kaminsky against teams that use like another traditional big. So if like Hernan Gomes or, uh, you know, Nazareth or someone like that started, then he'd probably start Frank, um, which I don't really agree with, but that's kind of what they've been doing this year. Um and yeah, Logan just said, uh, just threw Tory Craig in there, the new Phoenix Sun. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see if he's ready to go uh, right away. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's gonna be weird with like the, the you know all the COVID testing protocols. Yeah, and exactly. But um, I can see him being there for Friday. I can see him maybe being there for Friday because it didn't take James Harden too long to get into a Brooklyn Nets uniform after that trade went down. So. It'll be interesting to see if he does, you know, I, I doubt he plays tomorrow, but if he has a, if he's out there on Friday, it'd be interesting. I think that's a good pickup too. Like, obviously you've known that news for um, not, uh, not very long, but like just your initial reaction of that news. Like, what do you think of Tory Craig? Yeah, I like the pickup. Um, he's someone that I actually wanted Phoenix to target this off season, just as like a insurance wing because they need more big wings. Like, like we've talked about earlier, you know, Mikel, as great as he is defensively, sometimes he struggles with, like, true fours or bigger wings. So, um, right. you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him to, like, find minutes right away. But, um, you know, if there's an injury or, you know, foul trouble, I think he's just a perfect, like, insurance piece where, you know, he can kind of try to fill out the role of Jay Crowder plays. And, um, you know, Abdel Nader has been playing a lot and Frank Kaminsky has been playing a lot. So, you know, if – if he steps up when he's given his, his opportunity, then uh, he could find some minutes here and there. But um, nothing crazy. But I think it's a it's a nice like under the radar pickup by James Jones. Well, yeah, and you didn't you you're probably giving up like a future like protect like top fifty five protected second round pick or something for him. You know, it's not you're not sending out virtually anything. Yeah, so I actually got an update. Just having him, um, I guess they gave up cash considerations for him. And that was okay. it. And uh, there's also a report that just came out saying apparently the Suns had interest in him this offseason, but backed out after the Jay Crowder signing. So um, just a nice little side note there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Torrey Craig was somebody that I wanted the Wolves to, um, you know, potentially go pick up because the Wolves have just been very, very bad defensively. And we thought, you know, you could run him at some three and at some four defensively and, and try and get a, a little more defensive minded player in there. Obviously the Wolves didn't didn't do that, but um so I, I like Tory Craig as a player. I think he's um an underrated player um defensively. I think he did good things in Denver. Um so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously um we don't know when he'll play, but when he does play, I'll be watching to see how he performs. Um but yeah. Uh the other the other matchup I wanted to talk about was um so you said you think that they'll start, they'll go back to Crowder with like Vanderbilt starting, right? Yeah, I would think so. Um, just the the Paul Booker Bridges Crowder eight in lineup, most likely. Okay. But you, you never know with Monty, so he'll keep you guessing. Yeah, yeah, it's it will be interesting to see how the Wolves match up with that um, defensively because Chris Finch has kind of transformed the Timberwolves defensive scheme as of late because originally. Uh, David Vanterpool obviously has been the Timberwolves um, quote-unquote defensive coordinator for the last two seasons, um, and the Wolves have not had good defense over those seasons. A lot of that has to do with personnel, 
not necessarily scheme, but they've ran a drop scheme where Carl Anthony Towns um, obviously drops and pick and rolls and everything like that. And it just hasn't worked. Um, Towns has been actually pretty solid defensively this season, but the t- the team overall wasn't very good. Now Chris Finch decided to open it up a little bit more, um, have Cap play higher at the screen, you know, attack a little bit. And we've seen guys just flying around a lot, and it led to a win against the Trailblazers the other night. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns in that game wasn't necessarily married to guarding uh, the opposing center. So I could see a world where Jared Vanderbilt or whoever else comes in um, guards DeAndre Ayton and Cat guards Kaminsky or, or Crowder, whoever it is, at the four. Um, do you who would you rather Ayton go up against? Vanderbilt, who's like a, a high energy, you know, get in your face type of guy, or or a cat who's obviously a little bit bigger, um, probably a little bit stronger, but a little bit slower. Um, you know, what what would be your preferred matchup to see Ayton try and try and utilize his best, you know? gifts for um i think you know vanderbilt's an awesome defender and plays really really hard um love his game i think that's probably the matchup i'd want though as far as like him rolling to the rim um you know i, I think he could hang with him definitely on the perimeter you know Aiden hasn't had much self-creation this year but just on the offensive glass um and as a lob threat he's done a pretty good job so i think just having the high advantage would would be ideal against uh Vanderbilt but uh as far as like self-creation and like one-on-one situations I'd probably prefer Cat so it's kind of like a a two-sided answer there but um yeah offensively Aiden isn't really someone that teams have game planned against uh to be honest so um it's more of just they just play as a team and he just kind of gets those opportunistic points just off of you know all the offensive rebounds he gets and stuff like that so um, right, and, and that's been the been the trouble so far with Towns playing a little bit, you know, higher up in all those situations is less defensive rebounding from Towns. He he just hasn't been rebounding the ball well out of that. And yeah, obviously that's something you sacrifice when you're not playing a drop scheme. Your big man isn't isn't down there to rebound the ball. Um, but Jared Vanderbilt is a fantastic rebounder at the four two, so he he he's just like ridiculously good at rebounding, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Wolves decide to match that up. Um and then how and then how Phoenix does, you know, decide to match up because I'm sure Chris Paul, Ricky Rubio, they'll guard each other. Um and both similar similar type of players, like solid defenders that, you know, aren't the quickest and stuff. So it's that that matchup will be interesting. Obviously we saw it once already this season. Um but it, but Rubio was really in a slump um that that night. He was two for eight and he just wasn't really um, doing the greatest that night. So it'll be interesting to see how it all how it all pans out. Um, I guess just thinking about like Phoenix's bench. The Wolves have a pretty good um bench when fully healthy, but right now they're not. I mean, there's Nas Reed, um, Jaden McDaniel's, and Jalen Noel. I guess coming off the bench, but Phoenix has what I think is a really solid bench unit. Um, and the one guy I want to talk about is Dario Saric, old friend of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, what have you seen from Dario this year? And what do you like about him as a player so far? in? Yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, his, his plus minus numbers are ridiculous this year. Um, every time he comes in, it seems like, you know, he helps extend the lead and uh, him and Chris Paul have had some nice synergy too. Just uh, their, their chemistry has been awesome. Like, leading the the second unit whenever they stagger Paul and Booker. Um, and, you know, Cam Johnson's been a big part of that second unit too, but he, he's out with uh, health and safety protocols right now. So you don't see him tomorrow or Friday, I would assume. Um, but yeah, Sarge has had an incredible year. And he, they've kind of restructured the way he plays. Like ever, ever since the bubble, they've had him as a backup five because Baines was out and he's just kind of thrived in that role. So they, they re-signed him with the intention of him, you know, being that stretch five that they can, you know, use as like a secondary creator and um, his passing has been, been brilliant. And, you know, he's been shooting it pretty well, 38% from three. And, you know, he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes and 
Uh, the minutes have been cut down a little bit. He battled COVID earlier in the year and had an ankle injury. So still working back from that. But when, when he's played, he's been, uh, I would say, like outside of Jordan Clarkson, probably like the, the best, uh, made, made the best case for being a, a sixth man of the year. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't been able to watch, um, like I said earlier, a lot of Suns games or just games of other teams in general. But um, when you look at his stats and you look at the advanced numbers and everything like that, he's averaging, you know, like 11 and a half points in less than 20 minutes a game. Um, he's shooting the ball like the best of his career. Um, he's rebounding the ball decently. I mean, like four boards, but I just – that's a player that a lot of Timberwolves fans were kind of uh, disappointed that we gave up. He didn't really like Minnesota, um, the situation that he was in in Minnesota. Uh, but people felt like he might be a solid player to put next to Carl Anthony Towns. We didn't get to see it a ton when he was here because Cat missed a lot of time and everything like that. But Dario was a um, just a big body that could provide a little bit of size down in the interior. Um, at the four, he would have been playing the four for the Wolves. Um, and obviously the, the Wolves traded him uh, and uh, the 11th pick, I think. Yeah, 11th pick for the sixth pick where we obviously took Jared Culver, which seems to not be not be working out a lot. And then the Suns obviously took Cam Johnson, who's been a decent player so far in his NBA career. Um, so, yeah, that's something that's been like disappointing. Uh, so it is interesting that that you have one of the Wolves old players in Dario Saric that seems to be performing well. And uh, the Wolves have, you know, Ricky Rubio back, who was just on the Suns last year, and he performed well for them, and he's starting to turn it around um, again, too. But I guess I wanted to ask you, um, not in particular about the about these two games coming up, but about the, the Suns in general. Jalen Smith was obviously drafted by the Suns early in uh, the 2020 NBA draft. He was a lottery pick. I don't remember if he was... The tenth, yeah, tenth overall pick. Where, where are you feeling on? What are you feeling on Jalen Smith? Because he, it looks like he hasn't done much yet. Yeah, it's um, he really hasn't had the opportunity to showcase much. Um, part of that is how well the Suns' bigs like Saric and even Kaminsky have played. Um, the other part is he he did have COVID earlier in the year, and you know, welcome to the NBA. You know, you're you're battling COVID, you have no summer league. Um, so it's been a tough transition for him, but um, I, I wasn't too high on the pick originally. I think it was a reach, but I still think he has a chance to develop as like a solid third big in, in the NBA. And I think right now this is just kind of like almost like a red shirt year for him in a way where they have that luxury because they're competitive. So they can take the time to develop him a lot slower than they normally do. Whereas, you know, they'll in the past, they've just thrown – guys like Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, and like into the fire as starters right away. So um, kind of a luxury in a way, but um, definitely too soon to call him a bust or anything like that. But also um, just in the first place, I wasn't very high on the pick, um, especially with the guys like Halliburton and Vassell there. So we'll, we'll just have to see how, how it works out. You know, a lot of people thought he reached for Cam Johnson too, and that's that's looked like a, a great value pick at this point. So, um, you know, time will tell. Yeah, and, and I would never call, you know, a rookie a bust because they're yeah. rookies. You know, I, I don't like to, to do that at all. Um, but Jalen Smith, you know, hasn't hasn't done a lot, but he hasn't really had that much opportunity either. I don't know how he looked um, in the G League or anything. But did you, you like, were kind of leaning towards, like, guard, guard slash wing type player in the draft heading into the pre-draft process um, compared to, like, getting another big man? Or did you not really care positionally where the Suns decided to take someone. Yeah. So my, my top two for them were uh, Halliburton and Vassell. I, uh, I was actually really shocked that Jones passed on Halliburton because he seems like the type of player that he'd love. Um, right. Especially to learn from Chris Paul and all, but you know, I think he felt their biggest need was a big at the time. Um, they had committed to not bringing Baines back by that point and it seemed like they were mutually, you know, parting ways and, you know, with Saric playing backup center, you know, they kind of wanted probably like an insurance policy. And um, yeah, I, I definitely was leaning towards Vassell just because of uh, having like two players like Mikel Bridges on the floor at the same time would have been really fun to watch. 
Um, but yeah, seeing him and Halliburton kind of light it up in their roles this year is, has not helped. Uh, but you know, when you have the third best record in the league, that kind of cures all in the short right. term. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, we'll, we'll have to see with Jalen. I mean, we'll give him some time, uh, but so far not nothing to, to write home about. For sure. Yeah. I think it's just definitely like a incomplete grade. There's no way to really to grade uh, what he's done as, as a player because he hasn't really um, been given a shot much, but yeah. Yeah. I would have liked to see, you know, another, I just am envisioning this, this wing duo of Mikhail Bridges and Devin Vassell. Um, and it just gives me nightmares for like opposing wings um, trying to score like those two together, their arms just go on forever and they, um, are some of the smartest and most active defenders on the wings already. I mean, Vassell's looked really good defensively as a as a rookie from what I've seen. And Mikhail's, you know, like I said earlier, one of the best. So that I would have liked that pick. Um, I think I I did like a mul- multiple different mocks heading up to the pre-draft process because there was just like so much time. And I, I'm pretty sure I did mock uh, Halliburton there once and and Vassell to you once. So. Um, those are players that I think a lot of people kind of liked and were surprised that that um, Phoenix passed on. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, Smith's got time to work. He's just going to be able to develop, um, not get rushed into it, uh, which I think is going to going to be very, um, you know, useful for him going going into the future. Moving on to a Timberwolves rookie. I don't know how much you've watched the Wolves outside of or paid attention to the Wolves outside of um, when they played the Suns earlier in the year. But what what have you liked from from Edwards so far from what you've seen? Yeah, so I've probably seen, I want to say, five games, like, of the Wolves this year. Um, three of them, like, I watch all the way through, and then a couple of times it's just been, like, you know, probably watching like, <laughs> yeah just like watching maybe the first you know first three quarters or something but right um i've seen I've, i have seen a lot of clips of edwards and like done my own stuff on that so i've definitely liked the progression he's made he looks a lot more comfortable i think uh noticeably and and look like rookies especially in this season should be given a little bit of a, a longer leash like uh to start the year with everything that went on and I think that makes the the start that, you know, Halliburton and like Lamelo had just that much more, um, you know, impressive. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Edwards is still, he's 19 years old, super raw, but has all the potential in the world. And he's someone I had uh, second on my board or third on my board, sorry. Um, and behind who? So <laughs> I had Lamelo ball number one. I had Killian Hayes number two. It's not like okay. great. Still got a lot of time, but uh, yeah, no, I, but, I think I was pretty high on Hayes uh, for a while too. Um, yeah, he just seemed like a player that was going to be pretty solid, and he still very well could be. He's you know obviously dealing with an injury and everything. Um, and I had Ball number one also, and I had Edwards too. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean at, at this point, I think if I had to do a, a way too soon redraft, I would, I'd probably go Edwards number two quite easily just because I think I, you know, some of those athleticism flashes and just the, the self-creation um, with his build is, is really uh, fascinating. And, you know, I, I'm really interested, like, I think this rookie class in general is going to exceed some expectations because I agree. Everyone, everyone was saying it was such a bad class. And I, I disagreed with that. I think um, Lamilla ball in general was not perceived as like this, you know, surefire like number one type talent and he's already kind of looked like that and right when that's kind of what the whole argument was that this class didn't have any like needle movers and then you look at Edwards and Halliburton's going to be an awesome player for a long time and Vassell's going to be awesome so um missing out on a lot of other guys off this is just off the top of my head but you know I think this class in general uh, was hyped down a little bit too much and uh it's it's fun to see Edwards though uh step up as of late and some of the dunks he throws down are just incredible. I mean, yeah, they're, he's just a ridiculous athlete. Um, to your point of saying, you know, the, the class being played down before the draft even happened, I wrote a piece back, I don't know, months ago, um, for Wolf Among Wolves. And I don't remember what I titled it, but basically like, um, talking about the draft class in general, that this particular draft class 
you might not find your star player. You know, everybody hopes that their next star player is coming out of, out of a draft class. Um, but there's a lot of just really good just role players and like, you know, tertiary like star players in this draft or fourth star players, you know? Yeah. And some of these guys could be like your star player. LaMelo is going to be your star p- player. Edwards looks like he could be, uh, he could possibly grow into being like that star player. Um, but there's just a lot of good role players. And then even deep in the draft, there's been some really good finds by, by teams. Emmanuel Quickly's looked really good. Peyton Pritchard's looked awesome. Uh, Jada McDaniels for the Wolves has been amazing. Like, let's talk about Jaden. I don't know if he's, I don't remember how he played. I got to pull it up when we played against the Suns. He, he got five points. He was two for three. Um, yeah, not, not much to, to call home about there. But Jaden McDaniels this season defensively has been quite literally ridiculous um, for a guy that's 6'10", 185 pounds. Um, have you seen a, any of his like defensive clips or what have you seen from him on that end of the floor? Yeah, I've, I've seen some some highlights and clips of his stuff. And, you know, the thing is, I actually liked him coming out of the draft, but not for what I think originally like teams were going to take him to be. Like I thought um, his stock kind of fell down a little bit towards the end. And that's why he dropped to the late first, which I thought was a great value. Um, I think early on, people thought he was going to be this, you know, two-way like talented wing that can get you buckets on his own and stuff like that but as a role player I think in someone that's like in a like a, a different context like I really like his fit in Minnesota and I think you're seeing it here like I, I do think his upside there's still plenty left in the in the tank for right him to, be, to be more than that but as far as like his initial role right away I think he's in the perfect he's being asked to do exactly what you kind of want from him early on so he can develop those other skills as he progresses. Um, so I think he's someone that could definitely be a nice fit next to someone like Towns long-term. And, um, you know, just collecting as many, like, versatile defenders as you can um, should definitely be the goal for, for this team with the direction they're heading. Yeah, I agree. And and the, the comps for him were just kind of, you know, out of – left field like Kevin Durant yeah. was named as like a cop and he was a highly 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 touted player out of high school like at one point he was number one ranked in his class on ESPN um I think he ended up like seventh or something like that but you're talking about a guy like I said earlier six foot ten 185 pounds I promise you there is less than one percent of Timberwolves fans who um believe that he would play for the Timberwolves this season like the only reason he was ever going to get minutes was either end of blowouts or if we had too many players injured and that's what happened he his first five games that he played were just you know seven nine minutes at end of like really bad blowouts like we lost by 30 or 40 um or we were trending that way until the scrubs got it a little bit closer um, and then he finally cracked the rotation um, somewhat against, like, Orlando. And he had, like, three blocks, 12 points, knocked down some threes. And ever since then, he's just been, like, probably the best defender on the Timberwolves already. Um, he's done some really impressive things against really good players like Zion Williamson and Pascal Siakam and just – all these really good NBA players just have had fits trying to score on Jaden McDaniels, which is just something that I couldn't fathom for the longest time. Um, but now I'm looking at a player where I think Jaden could maybe potentially be the long-term um, like small forward or power forward for this Timberwolves team. And to have him be this impactful already as a rookie when you're going to have him three seasons after this one is just something that I necessarily didn't think uh, we would see. I thought it was going to take two years for him to be playable, like playable on the floor um, just because of his size. And he's proven that to be um, a really bad take so far. Yeah. No, he, I think uh, everything he could have asked for as far as his rookie years has gone according to plan. Like I, I'm glad he wasn't like taken in the top, like in the lottery or something by like, like a bad team and just, thrown into the starting lineup from day one um you know he's 
he's definitely improved. And, like, I think it was the Pelicans game where he, he just went off, like, the other yep. week. Um, so 20 yeah, points. Those flashes. If he can get the, the consistency down on offense, like, not even this year and next year, like, just in the next couple of years, just gradually build that up to where you can get some consistent offense out of him, then, you know, you're looking at someone's going to be a really good player on, on both ends. And, like you said, just could be a potential, you know, long-term starting piece if, if he really hits that that high-end outcome. Yeah, for sure. And it, and he was just – it was just so weird to to scout him coming in the draft because he played in this zone scheme that they ran at Washington where he just didn't look, you know, like great um, defensively there. And offensively, you know, he had his struggles. And he was kind of labeled as this, like, hot-headed guy who obviously, like – couldn't make it in the NBA because he, his temper would just take him out of games and everything. And we've seen none of that so far this season. He's been, I mean, he never smiles on, on the court and he's mean like playing defense, but he's not like getting technical fouls or any of that stuff that he had, um, you know, as quote unquote baggage coming into the draft. And he's just been a really good player and he hasn't like taken himself out of the game mentally. And I think as the trade deadline approaches, most Wolves fans are very hesitant to to even consider putting Jaden McDaniels in a trade package just because he is already so good on defense. And at worst, he's a solid floor spacer on offense with a lot of potential to grow. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not going to really entertain trading him unless it's a deal that you just need to have done and he's the player to get it done. But I don't think that deal's coming. So I wouldn't entertain trading someone like that. Yeah, and I will say for Wolves fans that are, like, disappointed with this year, like, if you're going to be bad and have an unlucky year, this is the year to do it because, my Lord, the top five of this draft is stacked. And but we only got a top three protected pick. Yes, that is true. So That's that's the that's, struggle. That's It's going to be a very uh, anxious Wolves fan base on the, the night of the draft lottery, I'm sure. Um, for sure. It will be yeah, interesting you, to see where the Wolves where the Wolves finish out this season. Because those teams that are going to actively tank mm-hmm. um, to try and get their picks. Houston's and, one of them. Theirs is like top four protected, I think. Um, then you got teams like Detroit and Cleveland who are going to want to get to the bottom. Maybe Sacramento. Um, maybe OKC. I can see the Wolves jumping up to not even having like a top three odds. You know, having the fourth or fifth or sixth odds. Orlando's another one that, that might want to try and get to the bottom and, and solidify a top pick. Um, and obviously the Wolves would still have a chance of landing in the top three, but but the percentages dip once you fall out of the top three. Um, but I would be okay with having like a Suns-esque finish to the year where you have D'Lo back, Beasley back, and you just play well and you actually feel like you're building something. As much mm-hmm. as it would suck to, to have worse odds at getting a top pick, I think it would be nice to to just know that your team's capable of winning basketball games. Uh, Cause we haven't really seen that much this year. Definitely. I, I totally agree with that. I think, you know, a lot of uh, Suns fans are kind of on that, like tinkering on that. Should we just like tank to close out the year last year? And, you know, I'll take that eight and no finish over, you know, uh, moving up in the lottery any day, because that means right. what you have in place is working. So um, I think the worst place the wolves could be would be like to, like flounder out a little bit like in that four to five range and just barely like lose out on their pick and then they're also not making any like tremendous leaps so right see either you want to finish the year out really strong which i think you know with the way things are trending with them and you know town's back beasley will be back eventually and you know yeah beasley's back i think five games from now russell's timeline is pretty soon they he i think he's getting back to on court this week so yeah, so um, unless they're actively tanking, it's going to be tough for that team to lose as much as some of the other teams. So that'll be interesting to monitor for sure. If I was guaranteed a top three pick, I'd, I would be okay with it. But just 40% or 40.1% being the best odds you get just scares me. Like, yeah. why not win some games and have a 29% chance at the top pick being like the, the fifth worst team? Yeah, like exactly. Actually building something over the last 20 games of the year. That's what I would like. Um, but if it doesn't work when everybody's healthy, 
you tank it, you figure out who's got to go and you figure out who's going to stay. Um, and you just got to find a new direction and just hope that the pick sticks. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they got Cade somehow with cat and an ant like that to me is so much fun. It's a league pass team instantly. So, um, but For even sure. without that, they still have a good structure in place to where, like, yes, everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong for them, I feel like, this year. But, uh-huh. y- you know, at the same time, it's like, there's like, knock on wood, they're they're not going to have these, these same issues reoccurring. And they're going to kind of, they're going to find a way to, to fight out of it, I think. So they're they're in a good spot. They're not as far off as I think, you know, if you just glance at the record that you'd see. But, um, but yeah, they're definitely making some strides in the right direction so it's nice to see yeah i think there's a lot of missing context with a lot of um people talking about the wolves just looking at the record um not talking about you know all the the injury and the covid stuff that's hit um and then beasley suspension and and all the things that they've dealt with they're still not a good team by any means but they're a little bit better than the worst team in the league which which I think most people would agree with if they really sit down and think about it. Uh, but I guess the last question that I really had for you, specifically about the Suns, and this is something I asked a different Suns fan uh, the other day in a locker room that wasn't recorded, but Chris Paul's obviously on the second to last year of his deal, so he has a player option next year, which I'm sure he's going to take because nobody's going to pay him 40-something million, and the Suns are good. But after that, Chris Paul is going to be, I don't know exactly how old, but relatively old. Where do you, what do you envision for the the Suns after Chris Paul? Um, he's going to be like 36 or 37 after this contract ends. What do you envision for the Suns by then? Like, do you need yeah. to get another player in there or what? what's the hope? Is Aiton the second guy and Book is the first guy? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's something that's been kind of popping up every now and then with Suns fans. Um, and, you know, I, I can't remember who it was, but I was watching, I think it was on The Ringer. They were talking about this the other night. And, um, you know, there's a case to be made that Chris Paul is the point guard of the future. He's like, his game is, like, he doesn't rely on athleticism right, or, or his speed or anything like that. And he has the type of game that could age really gracefully. And, you know, obviously you, you want to draft someone to, to learn from him, um, for him to groom, but I could see a world where this guy just, he continues to play for another, you know, three, four years at, at a, you know, obviously there's going to be some drop-offs in certain areas, but like, uh, when, when his extensions do, I think there's a chance he could, he could come back and, you know, he'd still be running with book and, uh, you know, ultimately though, I do think they need to to take a, a guard, especially in this draft, they're going to be kind of back end in the first round where, you know, you can find a lot of, there's a lot of, and especially in this class, you know, someone like a Jared Butler, you know, right. Trey, Trey Mann, just throwing out some random names, Bones Highland. Like you could find a guy that Paul could groom and, you know, that could take over long-term, but you know, there, there's a chance Paul just, you know, pulls a Tom Brady and just plays forever. So I won't rule that out, but uh, obviously you need a plan. You need to have a contingency plan for that. So um, it's a good question. Something to monitor this offseason. We'll see what they do. Right, because the year that Chris Paul's contract would be up is when DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges would be looking for payday. So you're, you're not going to have money. You know, if you think, okay, Chris Paul's gone with his $44 million, we might have some money to bring somebody else in, and we've been mm-hmm. a playoff team. You know, somebody might want to come here. But you're going to have to pay Aiton if that's the plan, which I'm assuming it will be. And Bridges has just been too good not to pay. I don't know how good, like, if Bridges will get a max contract or what it'll be like, but it'll be, you know, at least 20-something million dollars. Um, so you're not going to have the money to bring in a free agent. I could see Chris Paul re-signing for, a, you know, a small, obviously he's not going to get $44 million again, but, you know, $15 million or whatever it may be um, after that for a couple of years and just seeing how his body holds up. Obviously we have to see how he looks next year um, before we can really get into that conversation. Um, yep. But it is interesting to see, to see the path because the Suns have been building towards this playoff thing last year. And now this year they're, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, even if they have a terrible um, end of the season, they're still going to end up in there. And I don't foresee that happening, but just looking to the future. Um, it is interesting, but I don't think it's bad. Like, I don't think you're going to regret 
I don't think you're ever going to regret bringing Chris Paul in. I don't think that's going to be like a huge regret on Suns fans um, because you probably weren't bringing in a big time free agent with any money that he supposedly takes up and you're going to have to pay Aiton and Bridges down the line anyways. So, yeah. And it's, it's a good lesson for Wolves fans too, as far as closing the season strong, because without that run, the Suns went on, there's no Chris Paul. Like there's no chance he, he comes to Phoenix unless he thinks there's, something he can grow towards. So, you know, there's, there's not going to be a lot of Chris Paul's out there just floating around, but there's definitely guys that, you know, Minnesota could, could try to attract and uh, whether it's free agency or trade that, you know, could come in and help them take that next leap. Um, There's, there's different ways of doing it too, right? Like there could be two veterans that come and help Minnesota next year, make that leap. It could be one guy. It could just be internal growth. So there's, um, you know, just, I think, Closing the year strong should definitely be a priority, um, even if it's at the expense of Cade. You know, you got to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's kind of where I'm at, too, is like the Wolves aren't going to have much for cap space or anything like that. But if the Wolves can attract like a solid mid-level guy, somebody on the mid-level that fits a need, whatever it may be, like that's something that will help you build for the playoffs. Also, like like the Wolves haven't been able to do that. Um, in recent memory. So even just attracting someone like that, where they're like, okay, you know, I got cat by me. I got ant Beasley's a knockdown shooter. I can come in and play the four or whatever. Like that's, that's um, that would be really helpful. If the wolves would have been able to land like a Paul Millsap or someone like that, this off season, like that would have probably helped this team quite a bit. Um, at least theoretically. But yeah, that's that was just kind of my question about that because it is interesting to look at all these teams' futures and see um, where they're going. But for the Wolves, it, it is interesting to to kind of think about: Do you want to finish the year strong or do you want to tank? Uh, one, I guess, the last question. This is just kind of a fun one. Devin Booker, Cat, um, obviously, very good friends. If they ever team up, where do you think it happens? Do you think it's Minnesota, Phoenix, or somewhere else? Honestly, I don't think it would be – if it does happen, I don't think it would be in Phoenix or Minnesota. Me neither. I feel like, I think I feel it'd like it would be like Miami or some random like Eastern Conference team that's just down the line like you know, four or five years from now or something crazy like that. Um, yeah. Or my my uh, my – not conspiracy theory, but like where I could see something just crazy happening is for some reason cat wants out of Minnesota and something happens in Phoenix where Booker wants out too. You got OKC with a ton, a ton <laughs> of draft picks. They just trade for them both, bring them both in. But um, I don't, yeah, I don't think they play together for a long time. I could see them doing some sort of like end of their career thing where they kind of team up or something. Uh, yeah. just for fun, but I don't see it happening. I didn't really ever see it happening when D'Angelo Russell came here either. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of a... Yeah, there's there's that, a lot that of slam, fun... That slam cover, magazine <laughs> cover, just got everybody riled up about it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun, like, Suns-Wolves connections, you know, between Rubio and Russell and Booker and Cat, the whole triangle thing there, and just kind of how... They've traded like the Suns are linked to D'Angelo too before um, he went to to Golden State, so that was uh-huh. kind of something that we were looking out for. And then they end up with Rubio, and and now they're both in Minnesota. So it's it's funny how things work, but, um, but yeah, for sure. Um, but other than that, I think that I think that's all we had. So thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, it was fun. It, obviously, we set this up very last minute, but it's fun to just kind of preview some of the some of the games coming up and get this perspective of, you know, somebody that covers the opposing team. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on and best of luck to the, to the wolves, except for uh, these next two games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the wolves, well, the wolves are coming into this Lakers sun, sun split where it's for us in central time zone. It's like nine thirty was, was last night's game. Uh, tomorrow's game and Friday's game are both nine o'clock. So there's just, just a brutal stretch. And I was like, if uh, I can yeah. make it out alive and the Wolves get one win, I will be happy. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. But, yeah, best of luck to the Suns, too. I want to see um, 
playoff success from them. They're one of my favorite teams, um, you know, outside of the Wolves. So it's fun to fun to see them finally, finally thriving. As jealous as I am, it is fun to see it. <laughs> yeah. Insert the uh, it's been 84 years. Like, right. Jeff. Right. <laughs> All right. So, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Everybody can follow Brandon on Twitter at what is it? AZ Sports Zone. Yeah, correct. And you are the host of Locked On Phoenix Suns. Um, so I'm the co-host every Monday co-host. over there. Yeah. Cool, cool. So guys, go ahead and follow him if you don't already follow him. Um, you also write for what Bright Side of the Sun, which is is that the uh, yeah SB Nation. Uh, yep, SB Nation. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, if you could subscribe to the podcast, that would be great. And other than that, I'm out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.